Let's play D and D. friends and welcome to the rule of cool podcast it's uh nathan over here and we've got uh my co-host hi i'm morgan and uh we're gonna be talking about some D stuff today uh in particular we're gonna be talking about um creating engaging characters um i think this is something that uh we had uh recommended to us by uh one of our awesome mods matt uh, aka mod Matt, aka mod madness if you uh, join us over on discord you can interact with uh with the the sleepless fool himself <laughs> yes we have our wonderful three m&ms that are in our stream as well as our discord helping us moderate we love them very much yeah and uh they're giving us a ton of ideas more than uh i think you know we thought we already had a lot of ideas and then uh we fed them to the wolves and uh they've came up with uh, about a thousand ideas it almost feels like <laughs> yeah we've got a google drive full um yeah but yeah we're gonna talk about uh creating engaging characters today and kind of what that means as a player and as a dm you know what it means to work with people to make a engaging character um, and then like creating backstories and uh, working on uh, you know, the details of your character, what's actually going to be on your character sheet to make a character engaging and interesting. Yeah. So kind of talking to the chat a little bit today um, involving them seeing what opinions other people have. Cause I know that, the experience is going to be kind of different across the board. I know I know it's wild, but I could take up to like 30 hours to create a character when I'm creating something super in-depth, but also like I can whip out a character sheet in four minutes if I need to for something small. See, it, so so for, for the podcast audience, we actually had to re-record this session, this section. And if you would have seen my face when Morgan told me she took 30 hours to create a character, I'm pretty <laughs> sure my jaw dropped a little. Because, like, I, I, on a high estimate, working with a DM to, like, go back and forth about world lore on a homebrew world... I guess that I would maybe maximum five or six hours is like the longest I've ever taken to make a character. And that, that seems enormous to me, but Morgan talks about taking 30 hours to make a character, which she, she did tell me it was a level 20 character, yeah. but nonetheless, still very, very long in, in what I thought would be long. Well, and a lot of that is in like, we have this conversation between the players and DMs, right? So with that level yeah. 20 character, I spent so much time talking to the DM of that campaign. Like, what is this world I'm going into? What, what is my reason for being here? And how did I get to be a level 20? Because level 20 is a, an enormously high level to start a campaign at. So how, how does someone even 
build their life up to level 20. Um, well, and I think that that comes with a lot of decisions to be made about who your character is and what they even have went through because a, a level one character is somebody who just went out into the world. Like they literally were like, like they probably had an inciting incident that they decided to not work at the tavern and not farm a field. And they decided to go or, you know, they, if they were such like a cleric or something that maybe they decided to leave the temple they've been studying at their whole life. But realistically, like there's, there's nothing, they didn't do anything. Maybe they had, you know, realistically, the only thing you have to work with on a level one character is their childhood. A level 20 character could be, I mean, if their elven could be 500 years old and have lived through a catastrophe in the world, have, could have traveled the plains and like had a, have a lot of life to live. Yeah. And, you know, I realistically, if you're, you know, if you're Morgan and you like creating backstories for your characters that are that in depth, like you probably worked through like s at least some of that information of like what, how'd they get to level 20? They clearly did something. They didn't just like, uh, you know, they're not uh, just doing some jumping jacks every morning and, and getting ready. Yeah. And the wild thing, I keep saying it's wild, um, but it, it's crazy because it's wild. It's wild. You can hear my southern accent there a little bit. Uh, <laughs> that one's just for you, live stream. Um, <laughs> that's being cut. That's being cut. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know if I had some extra goof shoes today or what it is, but You've been slurping goof shoes all morning. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyways, this character, she is, like, 40 years old. Yeah. And so, thinking of 40 years of life to lead her up to level 20. Well, and uh, to, to neither of us are 40 years old, so we haven't even <laughs> lived 40 years of our human life to think about putting into a character. Right. And that's another thing that I think is so interesting is when you're creating a character, especially like you said, if it's an elven character or a turtle or something that either lives a very short lifespan or a very long lifespan, how do you, how do you build that background and that character when it's almost inconceivable? I mean, it, it truly is inconceivable to live 300 years like a high elf could, um yeah it, are you more inclined to make a character around your current age or are you more inclined to make one older or younger i think that for me being a dm i think like most of the time i like the old character like that has had a past life and it's like like uh you know i think that like it's almost like interesting to think about like the thought process that like maybe your character was like a higher level at one point yeah like i mean and of course if your dm's willing to work with you on that but like like if you could think of like your say you are starting like from scratch level one characters mm -hmm. but like you want to have like your an older character who's like been through some stuff maybe you talk to your 
DM about like they kind of were a like kind of higher level adventurer in the past and then they like left it all and like uh you know like real quick off the top of my head like if you had like some you know young elven guy in his youth who went out and adventured and slayed some goblins and you know like helped a town from you know a, a little bit of an invasion um and then he like went off and like started a family and he had kids Mm and uh and then maybe your kind of inciting event for his new adventuring happened like his his family all got slaughtered by some demon and now he's he's out for revenge so but like he he, it's been a hundred years he doesn't remember you know how to fight he's been a father for all that time and you know he worked he worked as you know maybe he was a baker in the little town that whole time or something where he like he didn't he doesn't remember how all of his spells work or if he doesn't remember like you know the poses of being like a battle master fighter or something like that like he's (laughs) he's rusty he's got to learn it again so this is actually interesting i'm reading the chat um, and one of our dear friends said he has some rules for characters based on levels. This is Laws of the Moon or Jeremy. Um, he said level one to five is a basic lifestyle or not a lot of experience. Living the normal life and then some event drives them to adventure. Um, level six to ten is some kinds of experience. Took down some bandits, been on a sh- short, few short adventures, etc. Um, level 11 to 15 been on a long life-changing adventure where they grew drastically over the course of years and then 16 to 20 experienced far more than most people have lived an amazing lifestyle where they have grown and mastered certain skills and developed countless bonds with hundreds of people or performed amazing feats um i i like that yeah and i think that that's something that's like fair of like how like the level you know because like i don't i don't play off of experience points i definitely use milestone leveling yeah in in all of my games i play in a game that uses experience points um but i've never i've never ran a game that uses experience points like these your experience doesn't come from like stabbing you know 50 goblins in a row it comes from like the overarching like experience that your character has in the world like uh for example you know we kind of mentioned a few times about you being in my game i remember like uh we had like a a session that ended with you guys leveling up off of a role-play encounter um and like it was it's because like things happened in that that advanced your guys's character like one of our players had like had a like kind of traumatic moment and it, it you know the party like bonded over it um you know talked about like what their future was going to be from these kind of things and as like people kind of grew and like you know like that i think fortifies experience in life as long as well as um their experience as characters like it does because like it to me like you could you know like in a video game you could just grind for xp but like if if you want this to have that you know suspension of disbelief and like that realism like that's not real like i could go like if i was like uh you know trying to 
go and become some kind of uh, powerful hunter or something in the real world. I could go like and like, you know, hunt some squirrels or something all day. But it doesn't mean that like I hunted like I hunted ten thousand squirrels, so now I can go kill an elk, right? <laughs> yeah, like, that doesn't make sense. So like, why if you, you like if you grinded through a thousand goblins? you shouldn't be powerful enough to go kill a dragon. That doesn't make sense. Oh, and that's another thing. I saw this on Reddit or somewhere. I can't remember where, where someone was talking about advancing levels based on XP. And the XP is correlated to gold um, in some ways. So you could buy XP. Yeah. And someone was saying, okay, well, you can kill a million chickens and sell them and have enough gold to buy your levels up. And that to me is, is ridiculous because you're not going to gain anything from killing a million chickens. You're just going to be killing chickens. (laughs) And I think that comes from like a very old style of play that I think like a lot of people have moved away from of that, like kind of power gamer, like, like there and like i think that like there's definitely that experience with uh you know for example like when like fourth edition was a thing um mm-hmm. uh, you know like i didn't play during fourth edition but i've researched into it and like read about it and like there was that very like the creators of D were like do people like this kind of like a video game? And they like made an edition that like almost was video game esque. Like there was a lot of that, like, you know, world of Warcraft esque feeling to like a lot of how that worked. And then, I mean, as I think most people know, not that there aren't good things about fourth edition, but it flopped hard. Um, And then fifth edition has like created this Thing, this phenomenon of people that now are just like passionate about D&D and I think a lot of why that is is because it's storytelling first like yeah. that's what I think that's what brings people back you know I've enjoyed the heck out of video games that I'm like grinding for levels like I remember when I used to play Diablo and I could spend yep. 48 hours just grinding on a character you're just like in a hallway spamming everything and like (laughs) not moving (laughs) just like making sure you don't die and like like that was that's fun in its own right but like I mean I don't still do that I don't come back to that like I'm never I'm never nostalgic of oh remember that time that I like grinded for levels like on you know I'm nostalgic of like story and like the beats and like the moments with someone else where like it was impactful. Yeah, that reminds me. <laughs> One of my favorite games when I was in like middle school and high school, RuneScape. I God, don't we're not talking about RuneScape right now. This is episode <laughs> two. We're not <laughs> I'm just I'm just throwing it out there to to say that I agree with you. Like when I look back at me playing RuneScape like you do when you played Diablo, I don't look at the fact that I used to stand there and just kill goblins in the churchyard for hours on end. Mm -hmm. I look at the times where I like banded together with people and went off and killed a freaking dragon. Yeah. I mean, that's, what's memorable. And like, 
you know, I think that like, you know, this is a little bit off topic of, you know, characters, but like you think about like player character death in D and D and like, if, if the, if I just come through and I'm like, this guy like is just demolishing you, this goblin on the side of the road just like jumps out. Like you didn't make a save and I kill your character off like that. It's like, no one's happy about that. And the only memory is that everyone was pissed off. Right. But like, if there's like dice rolls and there's like, you know, if this is like, you know, a big character that like betrays the party and there's like, you know, dialogue and role playing between everyone is they're like, you know, fighting for their lives and someone dies. That's interesting. That's, that's impactful. That's like, you know, and like, it's that bad guy. Like maybe he's, you know, the person that killed your parents and like you either you know maybe you lose one of your party members against this guy and it's like this guy's taken everything from me like it's you know there's that's meaningful and like you know you can and that kind of ties back into like creating a you know interesting character of like you want to be able to have that have something also for your dm to come back to and like include in this like something for them to include yeah because like even when like for example in our game i have a player uh, mod matt he knows (laughs) who gave me very little backstory but in the same route he gave me absolute freedom of it and that's been interesting in its own way because it's been able to like I, and it's still coming out. I'll be able to continually kind of surprise what's happening and make things that are impactful and surprising and fun um, as we go. And I think that there's like, you know, that's like kind of like two sides of that coin is like, you know, there's the person that spends 30 hours making a character that the DM can weave (laughs) into the story and like, you know, if the DM drops a name, like, you know, the that player, like, you know, wrenches in their stomach at, like, the thought of these, like, people from their backstory. And then there's also the, like, you know, do what you want with me and let's have fun. And then the DM can just say, like, hey, guess what? You remember how you didn't give me anything? This really crazy evil thing just happened to you because... <laughs> that's in your back. That's, that's, you know, what you followed through your life. And they're like, Oh, (laughs) this isn't good. I'm in danger. (laughs) Going along that same thing is going, going back to my character in your campaign. We're just going to use your campaign as like (laughs) the test subject for everything. The example for everything. I, this might have been a mistake on my part, but when I was creating my character and I was coming into Nathan's campaign late, um, I was coming in when his party had already been established. Um, Only one person in the campaign that was playing in the campaign knew who I was, Nathan, and it wasn't Nathan. Nathan didn't know me before this. Um, but we were... I, I interacted with you a few times, but I didn't know you. Yeah. And so the only person that I knew going into this was Mod Matt. <laughs> and I was talking to Nathan, and I made my character first. 
Um, and this is this is a question that a couple people have proposed as like an aside to our main question is how to build engaging characters. I made my character first because I had an idea of what I wanted to fit into that campaign, knowing that we also like we had a uh, paladin, we had a artificer, we had a couple other things. I knew that I was going to be a rogue. So I built the rogue. But then I only built the bare bones of it. So yeah. I made her a, a Genasi. And then I made her a rogue. But I didn't pick any of anything. I didn't pick anything other than just those two bare bones. And then I talked to Nathan about what we're playing. Like, what am I going to run into in this campaign when I start out? Um, what kind of world am I going into? And then from that, I was like, all right, we're just a band of adventurers that are trying to accomplish a goal. Simple. Yeah. It's, it is what it is. And then I said, okay, well, I'm going to be from this part of the world. And then, as I do with nearly every character I have, I made a tragic backstory. <laughs> um, because tragedy builds growth, but only if you do it properly. Um, but the, the point that I'm getting to with this is what I ended up doing was not only giving something to Nathan in my backstory that he would be able to bring up later in the campaign, but I also gave him something to mess with me all throughout the campaign it wasn't yeah. just one thing so my character is cursed um she was imprisoned by a hag and yeah. before she escaped the hag didn't remove one of her test curses on her and this curse is that when she starts to build a bond with someone or she has a bond with someone she sees their most likely death and oh boy, that has really made the yeah. campaign interesting for the both of us, I feel. Yeah. Um, you can attest to your own interest in it. Well, um, and I think, you know, this is definitely something we'll like come to in a, a future episode of talking about a DM, like building a very character specific thing, like a curse for your, you know, this situation. Yeah. Um, Cause like, this isn't something like that I stole offline. Like we worked together to create like the mechanic for it um, and yeah. everything like that. And like, it was, it's definitely been interesting that like, you know, given that freedom as the DM to, you know, know like the events of your backstory, mm -hmm. but then also like a continuation into the game of like how that backstory is going to continue to affect you. Yeah. Um, and like, I remember like pretty specifically, like when the first like vision happened when you <laughs> met with one of your party members, like, um, like everyone, I've, I mean, I, maybe Matt can attest to this for everyone else, but like I remember it being pretty dramatic because it, everyone was like, "What's happening?" Yeah. Um, and you know, it affects um, you know Morgan's player or Morgan's character, um, you know, pretty heavily when um, the visions are 
um, not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, when they're traumatic. Uh, I think that's, uh, I'd have to like pull it up, which I'm not going to do right now, but um, I think like the wording of the curse or that like um, if the person that she sees the vision of dies in like a traumatic way, um, the then uh, Tempest, which is Morgan's character, like feels the weight of like um, that person's like final moments um, which is like definitely very interesting and like it, it affects her as a person. Like she's like, you know, very much like f- takes that with her into the rest of like the, you know, the day until she can rest and like kind of clear her mind from it. Yeah. And obviously that's something that we can like build off of more in a future podcast. Yeah. Um, if you guys are interested in, learning more about that kind of thing definitely let us know um but to get kind of back on topic even though that is helping us understand engaging characters um another question that we had alongside of it of our main question is do you build in depth first or do you have to play the character to figure it out I think I, I've always thought that this depends because yeah. I feel like there's, there's definitely people that think differently about this, but for me, I think that, and, and we can even like kind of bring this back to, um, you know, one of our, uh, one of the people in the chat uh, was talking about earlier that uh, there's like the different stages of experience and like at a low level, as a dm like i want you to bring the right amount of backstory to your character like if you come in with like i've experienced the world um at level one like (laughs) i'm gonna shut it down right like but if i asked you to build a level 10 level 15 character level 20 character like uh, i will you know in a way you kind of expect like all right like you know but in, in the same breath you need to like always think about the fact that like your DM should work with you. If you, yeah. if you're going to, if the DM says, Hey, make me a level 20 character and I need backstory for it, then they're going to have to talk to you about like what events are going on in the world right. that like your character could have been involved in to write a backstory off of. Yeah. Otherwise, like if I'm a level 20 character, I can just talk about how like I killed four gods and like slayed an army of dragons. <laughs> like I mean, yeah. I'm a level 20 character. And, and that's another thing is that just because you're level 20 doesn't mean there isn't room to grow. And I think as far as building in depth first or playing to fairing playing to figure them out i think you can do both because yeah. your character should never be set in stone your character no. should never not have wiggle room to change and grow and develop um you should be able to say this is where i'm from and this is what i know i've done and have five pages of backstory as to what you've done even as a level three character you can still have five pages of backstory it can't be killing a god because you're level three but even when you work your way up at level 20 at just the same as level three you have to have somewhere for your character to go because if you build your character into the ground at a certain level then what are you going to do for the rest of the campaign? 
Yeah. You know? Well, and I, I honestly think that a big part of who your character is once you start playing has to do with party interaction, right? Yeah. Because like there's a hundred, if you come in with like your mindset is like my character is who they is, who is who they are they is who they is they is who they is if they they come in thinking that they are who they say they are and there's nothing that's going to change that like where's the room for growth because if you're especially if you're a low level character one to three like one to five like you're you're still kind of nobody like you know you're you have to make a name for yourself and like there has to be some sort of growth that happens in that like you have to know that there's going to be interactions between yourself and another player, yourself and an NPC, yourself in the world that shape that character. And if you come in like, this is concrete, it's not moving. You can't tell me otherwise. I mean, people just aren't going to have fun with you either. That's (laughs) really what it comes down to is like, like if I had a player come to my table and just say, my character's like this, suck it. Like, I'm not going to, I mean, you know, maybe I'll try to work with them. I'm not going to be, but I'm not going to probably have a very good time playing this wonderful game with them. Like I I want you to be like, Hey, let's like, let's be ready for like, you know, I'm going to have a deep conversation around the campfire with like one of my party members. And like, it's going to change my outlook on something, Yeah, you know, or like, and like, I'm not always up for, you know, PVP kind of stuff, but like if two players like, you know, ideology like is very apart from one another, like let that play out. Don't, there's no need to like say like, I will never change my feelings about this. (laughs) I believe in this. You know, I think that's like kind of the joke about like, you know, like paladins and rogues and things (laughs) like that. Right. Like, but like, I think it's like so much more interesting for a paladin to like be like, no, I'm devout and I don't care. And this is like, I'm very strong in my ways. And then like to see like, you know, the, Oh, you know, like this rogue that like, you know, maybe that, you know, if you're very stereotypical about it, like lost their parents and like grew up on the streets or something. Right. Like they, they kind of, the, the person playing that paladin would have to be like, Oh, I, like I get this, and like maybe maybe my views are too strong. Like maybe I need to change something about myself too. And, and if you come in with the mindset that no, I'm never going to change how I think, it's it's not interesting. Well, yeah, because I think there's something so incredible, um, <clears throat> story wise, about just kind of using the other side of your example, having a rogue. They're a trickster thief rogue like they are chaotic neutral they don't care about the law they don't care about doing good things like they are just there to cause chaos i think it's incredibly interesting in a storyline for that person to do something and then suddenly feel guilty about it yeah like that shows so much growth of character if for however long you're like i'm just gonna loot the body i'm going to sleight of hand i'm gonna steal this thing and then you steal something and something clicks and it's like oh i i feel bad about that yeah like what 
what makes that character flip and it doesn't have to be a life-changing thing it doesn't have to completely alter your character like even at the, like the smallest detail right like you're you're in a party right and you've got the lawful good like you know champion of some god who's like very strict and like believes in supreme law and justice and then you've got the rogue who like is walking through the market with him and like light a hands an apple off of like a a cart or something and like eats it as they walk away right and like the paladin like sees it or something right and they're like like hey you should not have done that like that's those people's like you know, way of like living, like you cannot steal. But like, if you really think about backstory development, like, I mean, that that rogue, right? Like that might've been the only way they ate as a child is like sneaking food off the back of carts. Like, like, it doesn't have to be a, I'm a thief. I want to steal this to be an asshole. Like it can definitely be like, I don't even like it's instinctual. Like I, 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 it's not even a compulsion. Like I've, I've always done this to survive. Yeah. Um, I was also looking at the chat and a couple of people were saying murder hobos. Yeah. Don't be a murder hobo. Like if you don't be a murder hobo, unless you just, you, everyone decides to be a murder hobo for fun. Yeah, unless it's like if you're unanimous playing drunk decision. drunk D&D with Morgan and everyone <laughs> wants to kill the mayor, then murder hobo it up. Even though there's no mayor to be murdered, you want to murder <laughs> that mayor, roll for it. Let me know. Uh, but and I think, I, and I, this is something we'll definitely get back to in another episode at some point of like setting expectations as a DM and a player. There's 100% of the time you're going to have to talk with your player and your DM to make sure that you guys are on the same page because when you're starting a game, there's like a hundred, there's, there's definitely that chance that what you want to run as a DM and what your player wants to play are not the same thing. Yeah. I like, I'm a, I mean, Morgan's played in my game. I (laughs) considered myself, although I like, I like to have a lot of fun. Like I'm very story based. Like, you know, I try not to let us get hung up on like a lot of combat. Yeah. I enjoy combat, but like I, even in then, like I want it to be interesting. I want the bad guys to like talk shit to you guys. Like it, it has to be like, there's, there has to be the story there. And like, that's just the kind of DM that I am. But like, I've definitely played with players that are like, I want to like be rolling dice and like killing things and looting and like doing that, like kind of power gamey kind of feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, going through a dungeon and like clearing rooms. That's like, that's what they want out of the game. And there has to be that expectation when as a DM and as a player of like, when you're creating that engaging character of like, what, what do you want out of this game? Cause this, D and D can be so many things, yeah. right? I mean, and I, you know, I think that most people you talk about D and D talk about immediately are just like, ooh, fantasy, fantasy, dwarves, elves. You know, this, this, there's this thought, but like, it could be so much more. You can D and D is a host to so many different things, and it doesn't have to be the same genre. It doesn't have to be the same type of game. It can. And, and realistically, there might even be 
better games. Like, you know, I'm not one to speak on that because there's definitely other like systems that might fit things better, but like D and D can be used in so many different ways. Yeah. And some people are going to want that compared to you. And like, maybe that's not a good fit or maybe like when you play with those friends, you have to switch your mindset. Like you, you can't keep in the story and go play with a bunch of people that want to like kill things and level up. Yeah. And, and then the same breath of like, if you're one player who like wants to kill things and level up and like go crazy, you can't like come join a story based campaign where the DM's like weaving intricate backstories and like intricate plots of like, you know, deception and like (laughs) political intrigue. And then you're like, you're like, Oh yeah, I killed that guy. I'm going to assassinate him right now. (laughs) Like (laughs) you're going to ruin, you you know, you're going to ruin everyone else's fun. Yeah. And I think that's something that we can get into in another podcast even more fully. I feel like I could talk a lot (laughs) about that topic is making sure that you're building the right campaign for yourself and you're building the right campaign for your players. Yeah. This is definitely Um, a little off topic. We're we're for sure going to come back to expectations as a player and a DM going into a game or a campaign. Yeah. Because like, that's huge. And like, there's there's a lot more to it this is literally scratching the surface (laughs) absolutely um but you know i think that you know what we you know what we've been talking about so far and like chat if anybody wants to chime in like you know building an engaging character that is like super multifaceted like i don't even think that you know we're gonna like go too deep you know be able to go too deep into like what it all entails you know there's there's so much to it that is dependent on what you want out of your character and what yeah. you want out of the game. Like if you want that really, and, and it also, I mean, just honestly, it depends on your DM, right? If you're a player and your DM isn't going to do the work and you write a 20 page backstory, <laughs> you got to make sure your DM is going to read it. Like if you hand me a 20 page backstory, I'm going to read it and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make it hurt. Like, that's just who I am. But, like, if you write me, you know, there's also DMs that, like, you hand that 20-page backstory to, and they're going to skim it, and they're going to say, cool, and it's never going to come up unless you bring it up. It's just, there's just people that play like that. Uh, and, I don't, you know, I don't even really think one way's right or wrong. Like, that's just, you you have to gauge the expectation of, knowing that a dm is putting a lot into the game in the first place and you can be engaging without spamming a dm with all the <laughs> you know a billion pages it's just yeah the backstory i think back there there has to be some backstory but there's there's a level of where you kind of draw the line of how much backstory is actually going to be necessary with your game well and i know we always talk about like how you should do things but the fact is with D, there is no real set way to do things like no. there's dms that can take five sentences of backstory and develop it into something insane and then there's dms that can take 10 pages of backstory and toss it out the freaking window like it's all about communicating what you expect to get out of the campaign what you expect from the character 
and what you are planning to do in that campaign that will end up helping you make a good character. Because if you don't have the intention behind it, if you don't have the desire to play what you're creating and the passion of what that character could be, you might as well not make the character. Yeah. Well, and uh, I'm going to throw this, you know, we, we have the chat up here and shout out to our, our mod mayhem talking about a session zero session zeros are super important. If you're, if you're going to run a game, run it, try to have a session zero. If it's at yeah. all possible, even if like you play, you start the campaign in our, I remember when we started our campaign that Morgan's in uh, Morgan wasn't there for the first episode or the first like uh, session, but we ran like a session zero where everyone was introduced and we like, you know, we had kind of talked about our characters and then we like kind of started into the campaign. I think that's fine, but like there has, to, I think that like there should 100% be a thing where you guys actually collaborate together on, okay, what is this? Let's have the DM introduce the world. Let's all get into a headspace, not a like session one, like, all right, you guys are sneaking through the woods and you hear a noise. Everybody roll initiative. Yeah. Like you, if you jump straight into that, like, it's it's almost like bad for the start of a game like I, and that's like that's a stance i'll take as a dm of like have a session zero i think it's important i've and you know i think that like this is going to kind of reflect on like um you know kind of us a little bit but like uh session zeros are super important for like um talking to your players about like their like consent and things like that like mm -hmm. as a dm like i think that's super important i know that like i talked to all of my players in our current game about like things that they're comfortable with because like there there are lines for people and yeah. like you you can't cross them and i think session zeros are like the perfect opportunity to talk about that kind of stuff Ooh, and that's another topic that we can eventually get into. Yeah. We, we like, will totally go into that later, but yeah, I just that... <laughs> want to put that out there. Session zeros, super important. Uh, everyone knows that uh, if, you know, anybody watching this currently, um, you know, we're filming this in 2020. Like this is the year of COVID and a uh, year of uh, social distancing. And there's a lot of people that are playing online right now. And like, it's awesome. I love that technology has been able to connect this like i mean this podcast wouldn't exist without you know realistically without COVID happening like i probably wouldn't have met morgan yeah like i wouldn't have i wouldn't have started making a game online I, like my games Wild. went on hiatus that i was running in real life and uh you know i went online to find time to play and um you know there's when you're playing online with people that you don't know especially like you this is super important and like some people may disagree with that but like it is super important <laughs> yeah i know morgan agrees with me on this because like this is like you have to like think about the fact that there are lines for some people well yeah and sometimes a lot of the times anymore you're playing with people that you don't really know that well yeah. Um, especially now that people are trying to find online groups to play with on Roll20 and on Discord servers. Uh, Facebook has groups for people. Yeah. Um, I think it's especially important because you never know what someone's going through that could be a trigger for them. And yeah. you never want to cross that line because the whole point of D&D is getting together and having fun. You want to have yeah. fun. Of course, there's going to be some traumatic things that happen. But if you can avoid 
the specific things that are going to hurt that person emotionally yeah. that's going to take them out of the game then that's always important well back off of uh serious topics i thought <laughs> we were having fun over here <laughs> yeah <laughs> does a uh, does a uh, mods or anybody in the chat have anything that uh you know, anything to add to kind of the conversation we've had? I've been kind of tracking the chat, but not really. Is there yeah. anything like you want to see us like talk about? We, we've got something else to to go over here in a second, but I want to, before we kind of move on from this topic, is there anything that we missed you guys like talking so, to us about? I know that uh, a couple people asked about making a character on stream. Yeah. Um, And I thought maybe it would be cool if we create a character and then with our little segment later give the character these items and talk about how we would use them yeah so now that we've kind of talked about how you build an engaging character we kind of went all over the place there for a while but bringing it back down um let's create a character together and yeah i think that like you know putting something and then uh we'll talk about like some backstory details and like how that might relate into um, the character that we create. But uh, if anybody wants to jump into our discord or like, uh, you know, hit us up on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or anything. And like, uh, like let us know how like you might like kind of tweak some of these things for a character. Yeah. And we're going to talk to our chat here on the live stream and get some ideas from them so let's start first with what world is this character going to be in? Like what kind of world do we want to put this character in so we have an idea? Um, I mean, def I think like we should keep it, uh, you know, probably fantasy to start with for sure. Because yeah. that's what I think most people know random character generator matt says does anybody do you guys want us to do some random stuff and then talk about it or do you want to like give us ideas and we'll kind of pick as you guys give us ideas uh Faron or forgotten realms for a world so i like the idea of going with forgotten realms um i think that's easy enough yeah, for sure because it's simple super simple um so our world is Forgotten Realms. I found a website to do this on. So let me do this. Let's randomize right now. Interesting. So this character that I randomly generated, <laughs> her name is... Zenai Sunbeam. Nice. She's a Seder Rogue, Arcane Trickster. Oh, man. This is right up my alley. Exactly. This seems way more <laughs> up your alley than mine. But this I love is it. exactly something I would play. Um, I, oh, I, love, I love Arcane Tricksters. It <laughs> marked her as a pirate. <laughs> but we can change the background if we want, or we can keep the background. It's fine. Um, a, a satyr, a arcane trickster, satyr, arcane trickster pirate. She's what are you guys? Thirty-seven years old. So, what are some facets of background that we have, knowing that they're going into forgotten realms? 
Well, I think like for sure, we've got a satyr, right? They oh are for sure from the Feywild. <clears throat> they, I would say that they like became a rogue, like in the Feywild, right? Like this is where they like as a satyr. Uh, I think like that, like for me, so if I'm looking at this, we've got the satyr from the Feywild who became this like arcane trickster rogue in the mm-hmm. Feywild, right? Like was learning, you know, satyrs aren't like, Oh, maybe like uh, wherever uh, they're from was not particularly great to satyrs and um, had to kind of learn to like sneak around and be a little bit more stealthy to like, uh, you know, take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And then uh, one point kind of became, uh, you know, came to the material plane. And maybe that's like using those rogue skills, you know, took to the high seas to, um, you know, kind of use those skills to be a little bit sneaky on on a ship and make some money and uh, make a name for themselves. Maybe they're a pirate captain now. See, well, and that's interesting because, so thinking back, we're at level 10 right now. Um, they snuck away from the Feywild. Did they sneak on somebody else's ship? Or did they get their own ship? Hmm. Well, there are. I, if the thought is that they were already kind of a rogue when they went, I think they, like, snuck onto the ship. Maybe, like, um, disguised themselves in a way. Like, not like a physical disguise, but, like, blended in with the like crew yeah suddenly became part of the crew and uh zini now she's she's a freaking pirate captain now she's she's <laughs> she's level 10 she could totally she doesn't need to be a crew you know a deckhand yeah but now now we have a sort of disconnect right so yeah. she snuck on this boat blended in and now she's a captain so what happened oh, yeah in yeah that's what we got time? I see, so, I see Alyssa saying that she killed the captain. She snuck and then killed the captain and stole it. Well, here's the flaw in that. So if she killed the captain, what did the crew members do when she killed the captain? Yeah, like was, if they were loyal to the captain, yeah. did, was there a mutiny? Like was the captain somebody that mistreated their crew members and the crew members were grateful? Or was the crew upset and that person had to convince them? that they have the right to be captain. Maybe this, with some of that magic and things, um, she started to, like, try to set the captain up as as not very, uh, as not a good captain. Started to, like, play little tricks and sneak around and, uh, you know, took extra shares of gold and hid them in the captain's quarters and then revealed to the crew that he'd been sneaking extra money and like taking shares from everybody. And she caused a mutiny on the ship. Ooh. So this is almost verging into like <clears throat> chaotic evil territory. Yeah, no, she's, she, I'm thinking that she's <laughs> like, she's up to some shit for sure. <laughs> I, I like it though, because you have that arcane trickster background and now you're not just a rogue that snuck onto a, a pirate rogue that snuck onto a pirate ship. Now, you're an arcane trickster that's using whatever means you have to get ahead. 
And well, okay, so and then we got it. So she's an adventurer now, right? She's a level ten adventurer. She's going to be in our next party, right? Yeah. So like, like she became the captain through all these skeevy means, and she's up to her own shit. Like, but something happened, right? To like, she like, the party doesn't meet her on her ship as she's ruling the high seas. Maybe like a uh, nation's navy like took down her ship and like she she was like thrown in prison right yeah she like was captured and like maybe she was like uh she was like set she was like set to be hung or something right like Mm -hmm. you know and she escaped in the night out of her prison cell and now she's on the run from like whatever capital city is like nearest to this i don't know i I run homebrew a little bit more so i don't (laughs) know all the cities in the forgotten realms i guess maybe like neverwinter or uh Baldur's Gate, maybe I don't know all the city names, but yeah. but now she's like, yeah, she's on the run from like the like, and like if they come into like a big city, like she for sure has to disguise herself, right? Because like she's like she's like a a well known like pirate captain, right? Yeah, and now you have right now you have that conflict of morals because yeah. she still wants to steal, she still wants to make her way however she can, but now she's being introduced into the party now she has to convince them to help her so like what if go ahead what if the the they like whatever like place took her like captured her like they didn't like destroy her ship they have her ship right Mm -hmm. and like she wants that's what she wants she wants her ship back and like that's cool for the party too like maybe they'll have a ship if this like gets accomplished but like there's Maybe, like, in her backstory, you know, you work out with the DM that, like, one, there's this ship that's, like, that's her ship. Like, it's she's named it. It was her ship for years. Mm-hmm. And maybe somewhere that she could only sail to, there's, like, some treasure of some sort somewhere, right? And she's got, but she's got to get to her ship. And there's, like, a hidden compartment in her ship with a map mm-hmm. and or something. And she's got to, she's got to go get maybe there's magic items in this treasure hoard because she she was on the high seas as like a fearsome pirate captain for years right yeah i think everybody's liking that what do you guys think (laughs) chat what do you think of this character i think that you know yeah i think that's 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 definitely you know this isn't written out but that's her backstory right she (laughs) she became a rogue in you know to concise consolidate this down she became a rogue in the Feywild, you know like sneaking along and learning bits of magic to to make her way and she she escaped into the prime material plane and uh you know became a she was like fascinated with pirates snuck onto this pirate ship used her like sneaky ways and bits of magic to Mm -hmm. set up the captain as you know this horrific guy who was like against the rest of the crew caused this mutiny and became this like you know frightening pirate captain and then coming into the story became you know got captured onto the sea and escaped in the night and she's on the run from you know yeah I I think that and see that took us what like five minutes if that to come up with that character so you can create these dynamic characters in a very short yeah. amount of time granted that's two of us coming up with ideas and bouncing it off of each other but 
that's kind of we kind of did it in a dm player kind of way yeah um because it kind of felt <laughs> in that situation it kind of felt like i was a dm and you were a player where you were yeah. like okay so she's gonna do this and then i come back at you with well what happens when you do, when this happens yeah um and that's what you want you want that communication because that'll help you build something rather than you just say this is what it is yeah. um, having that collaboration makes something pretty cool i think that that's like when it comes down to it that's what cre- helps create a dynamic character right is that that working a backstory with the dm into the world is like you know if i really had to like say like what i thought like helped make a dynamic character it would be that it's like working on a backstory creating a you know story that fits in with the world with the dm having that back and forth and like on the dm side of it like being open to that being like happy to like work their story into the world you know there might be some tailoring but like also like your players are gonna love it a lot more when they get to have this cool like you know thing that they wrote and like thought about and decided all these aspects of when they actually get to do it yeah but i think uh I think now we're going to shift over into uh, our very first segment of the rule of cool podcast. I don't know how that sounds to you. I'm going to, I'm going to introduce the segment. Are you ready? I'm going to totally, I'm ready. I'm going to totally rip off a creator that we all know and love, but it's fine. Oh, I'm scared. Copyright. (laughs) (laughs) It's not copyright. It's just a voice. Uh, Hello and welcome to another use of, the identify spell. Yeah, this is this is uh, the identify spell. We're uh, we're gonna talk about uh, a couple magic items and uh, and uh, you know we were just talking about maybe uh, incorporating how uh, Zini Sunbeam is gonna our satyr rogue is gonna possibly use these. Why don't you introduce uh, people to what this is? So this item is sovereign glue. This viscous, smoky white substance can form a permanent adhesive bond between any two objects. It must be stored in a jar or flask that has coated inside with an oil of slipperiness. When found, a container contains 1d6 plus 1 ounces. One ounce of the glue can cover a one-foot square surface. The glue takes one minute to set. Once it has done so, the bond it creates can be broken by the Uh, application of universal solvent or oil of etherealness or with a wish spell bam this this is an interesting item right because this isn't a magic sword right or a magic armor or a you know something cool like that or like this magic artifact that lets you cast spells this is something that you know, and our second one, you you guys will see here shortly, is is also like this, where it's something that is like very use specific. Like when, yeah. if if I give this to a player in one of my games and they bring, it, like it comes out, I'm like, oh god, this is happening now. <laughs> like it's exciting because like something cool is gonna happen. It's not right. like, oh, I hit them with my cool sword. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's fun. Like you want to be able to create a character that's useful in battle, but like. This is the kind of thing that, like, 
I mean, maybe it comes out in a battle, but like, it's honestly cooler if it doesn't. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. So Sovereign Glue is legendary. It is a legendary item um, in fifth edition. And it once you put it to something, it's not coming off unless you have universal solvent, an oil of etherealness, or a wish spell, which all of those three things are equally as rare as the glue itself. I mean, you think about something coming off with a wish spell. I mean, that's a ninth level spell. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. <laughs> it, it screams shenanigans. Yes. Um, thank you, chat. It absolutely does. So I took the liberty of looking up some of um memorable moments that other people in the world have had with sovereign glue yeah and the thing that kept popping up the most frequently was people using sovereign glue and attaching things to immovable rods see that seems that's wild that seems game breaking i hadn't even thought of something like that yeah, so just so you know, uh, thank you, Mods, for pointing this out. Um, if you're new to D&D or new to D&D items, um, there's a classification of whether an item is common, uncommon, rare, very rare, legendary, um, and wondrous. And legendary basically means it's super hard to find anywhere um if you do find it it's incredibly expensive um it is above the level of very rare so you're not just going to come across this in anything in any situation Um, yeah i I, look at looking on like right now it it says like this is the kind of item you might want to give to like characters that are like nine plus yeah this is this is like some like serious stuff that like can do some cool things yeah, I think even in 4th edition, you have to be level 8 before you can use it um, in 4th yeah. edition, which is wild. It's, it, it's, it seems crazy because it's like a glue, right? You're like, the, the, but it's, you, if you start to think about like things you could do with this, it, <laughs> it's when you get like, you, like already the example you used of like attaching something to an immovable rod. <laughs> like, um, I mean, I can already think of like some pretty interesting idea of like if you uh i can't does it say on here how long one minute to set so like you couldn't just like slap it at somebody in like the middle of a battle but like if you snuck up on somebody or something that's like glued it to them while they were like not paying attention (laughs) or sleeping you could you could pose someone somewhere and and that's the thing the the trick to this is it takes one minute to set so within that minute, if it gets separated from whatever you're trying to stick it to, it's not, it takes away all the magical property. Yeah. So I, I was reading down through, I think it was Reddit. I was on shout out r slash D&D on Reddit. Um, I'm on there all the time. And someone had said that one of their party members tried to use the sovereign glue to glue a Tarrasque to an immovable rod and that's just not possible i'm sorry but that you can't because 
within a minute, that Tarask is going to move away. <laughs> Unless, I don't know, it, it could. Well, on top of that, you're going to have to, like, so, like, DM brain speaking right now. Right. You can move in a movable rod, right? Yeah. It's, like, in the rules, like, uh, that, like, uh, I pulled it up right here. The rod can hold up to 8,000 pounds of weight. More weight causes it to deactivate and fall. And then a creature can use an action to make a DC 30 strength check, um, moving the fixed rod up to 10 feet on a success. Like, I think a Tarrasque is probably strong (laughs) enough to, like, make sure that this doesn't happen to it. That's that's definitely, like, um, uh, that's a little wild. But, like, if you glued this to, like, a dude, right? Like (laughs) (laughs) While they were sleeping. The, the one thing that I think is, like, super funny about, like, if you were to do this, do not do this unless you have a way to get this glue off yourself, right? But what if you, like, you've got a little, like, gnome in your party, right? And he glues it to, like, his arm. And then you have, like, your big old Goliath friend or, like, a half-orc, you know, fighter yeah. who just, like, throws him into the air or something or at something and like he can like click it the click the rod as he's like flying through the air to hold himself in place (laughs) that or like yeah catapult in some way and then you like like you say yeah like say he's like a little gnome rangers A, a gnome a gnome ranger right with his bow and his arrows and you launch him like a hundred feet into the air within the range of his bow and then he clicks his his thing gets stuck up there and he just starts raining terror down on people oh my goodness that okay i thought i was a chaotic player you are a chaotic player it's okay now now this now uh all my bad guys are gonna have those two items and they're gonna have Uh, no thank you (laughs) um but so okay so we kind of talked about messing with it as a player but as a dm yeah i think sovereign glue is an absolutely unbelievable way to set traps um totally now you don't want to do this to your level three players who are just starting out and have no idea how to do any of this but if you're trying to trap some players and they're high enough level yeah you just slick some of that on the ground and wait for them to walk past yeah well like think think about like you're a bad guy right and you're like running from the party like down a hallway and you like cut into a door close the door you should like bar it so it's gonna be difficult to get into Mm -hmm. but like you were out of sight of the party as you went down that hallway and you just like screw it threw a dose of it onto the ground right outside the door. And then you close the door, you barricade it, you block it in some way you've locked it. The rogue might have to come up and try to pick the lock. The, you know, party might try to be in front of it, attacking it with an ax, trying to bust through the door. Mm -hmm. And then boom, they say the rogue (laughs) picks the lock and the door swings open and they go, and they're stuck to the floor. <laughs> then again, this is one of those things that, like, 
uh, is not so bad for like uh, you know most people that wear like boots and things like that. But like uh, so maybe you're ha- maybe you've got a halfling rogue, right? And the halfling <laughs> rogue that doesn't wear shoes has to pick that. Um, or or you've got magic boots and they just got stuck in this stuff and you better figure out a way to get your magic boots. Boots back. of striding and springing. You just lost yeah. those forever. Yeah, you got. I mean, you you got to figure out a way to get them back. <laughs> oh man, it's definitely you know there's there's definitely fun uses for this as a player, but like, I mean, there's no reason a bad guy can't have a magic item. Like, right? They, I mean, realist and like realistically, like this thing. It, I gotta look at it again. It has one d six plus one ounces, right? Mm-hmm. So like, say it has a full like seven ounces in it, and like the bad guy uses two of them or something, right? There's five ounces of this liquid left and you guys kill the bad guy. Like, cool. Like now you get this cool item. Like if you're, you know, like some, you know, there's definitely something to be said about like buying magic items and stuff in a D and D game. But like sometimes the coolest magic items as a player to get are loot. (laughs) Right. Like you got it off of, off of somebody. Now we have sovereign glue talked about a couple different ways you can use sovereign glue well we had we brought in a second for the identify spell because we felt like these went so well together yeah i'm gonna pop that up now so another use of the identify spell (laughs) (laughs) we've got a, a universal solvent so universal solvent got kind of discussed in the description of the glue, um, but a uh, quick description of this. This tube holds a milky liquid with a strong alcohol smell. You can use an action to pour the contents of the tube onto a surface within reach. The liquid instantly dissolves one square foot of adhesive it touches, including sovereign glue. So this is the kind of thing that like, if you have sovereign glue and you're going to do some stupid stuff with, <laughs> you probably want some of this. Yeah. Um, but another, another key trick to this is I've noticed a lot of people use universal solvent in a way that it dissolves anything it touches, but no, no, yeah. no. Universal solvent only dissolves adhesives. Yeah. So it's not going to just dissolve a shoe or a person it's only gonna it's only gonna dissolve adhesive go ahead oh (laughs) (laughs) i think that can be interesting though because like depending on how the dm wants to like let this happen like what might you have that has like some sort of adhesive on it like it it just kind of depends like maybe you know you can you've got like a, some sort of like weapon um, and like maybe like a, or like the, like a bad guy like spills this all over it and like the wrap that like for like the handle of your weapon or mm-hmm. something like, you know, might use some sort of adhesive to like connect it. I mean, this like depends on like what the yeah. DM wants to uh, like allow. And like, this is kind of DM fuckery a little bit, <laughs> but like it like, maybe like now you got a minus one on this like this weapon because like if the the handle's coming apart you can't hold it properly anymore that was like one of the things that i definitely thought of was like what could be you know what what could be adhered that you could like make come apart 
Your cat is screaming in the background again. Yeah, I hear it. <laughs> Give me one second. It's fine. So something that could potentially be adhesived, you have shoes potentially. Yeah. If like the sole of your shoes are glued to like the f- bottom of your shoe, yeah. um, those could come apart. If you have a book and you spill this on the book, all the adhesive binding could come apart. And now that book is in multiple pieces. Um, yeah. There's a couple different things. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is one of those things that's like a little bit more open to like the DM's discretion. Um, because it's like, you know, there's definitely like something could use some sort of adhesive or it couldn't. Like I said, the idea of like a weapons like wrap and handle might have an adhesive, but like maybe it is like just a mechanical connection, right? Like this would be something like if a, if a player came to me and said like, hey, I got this, like I have some of this universal solvent that you gave me. Can I use it to do this weird thing? Like yeah. I'd probably like, you know, depend like if it was like the weapon example or like a book, you know, like not like some books are like, you know, sewn together or things like that. Yeah. Right. Like I would say like, you know, maybe just like, give me like a straight luck check, like roll a D 20. And if it's good, like, yeah, this, this specific item has an adhesive, like, or if it's bad, like, no, sorry, this one's like, has, you can tell that it's like, you know, has a more mechanical, like, you know, on a sword, it's like with like, you know, the forming of the metal that like it binds this like wrap to it, not, you know, at an adhesive, but like, if it's well, like, you know, I, like I, that's how I like to run things is like, if yeah. you have a cool idea, like, you know, this is the name of our podcast, the rule of cool. Like, yeah. do you tell me something cool? And if it's unique, like, I, I mean, if it's really cool, I might just let you do it. But like most of the time I'm going to say, just like, just roll for it. Like give me some sort of check, even if it's just like a straight D 20 roll. And if it's good, like I'm going to let you do it. That sounds cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's all about being creative, having fun with it. Just don't yeah. say, oh, I'm going to pour a couple drops on this. No. Be like, I'm going to splash a bit of this on this book to try and make it come apart. Yeah. And I'll be like, yeah, roll for it. Yeah, you like, know? like I, I like, I imagine like even like even this would be like more useful because it, it instantly dissolves. If like, if you were like, we're in this big battle with like some evil wizard, right? That's like has a spell book in his hands or something, right? Ooh. And like, and you tell, and you were to come up with the idea, can I like just use my action, splash this all over his book, and his spell book will start to come apart? And I was like, you know what? Like, roll for it. Like, let, let's see if this thing uses an <laughs> adhesive to com- to attach the, you know, pages to the binding. And yeah. you rolled like a freaking, you know, an 18, a 20, you know, something on that die, like just a straight luck check. I'm going to be like, for sure. Like it, it the whole thing, <laughs> pages start to fly out in the wind. He's distracted because his spell book is coming apart. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, there's definitely like a little bit of like, you know, what if you tell me something cool with an item like this it's it's going to be something that you know and like we we we're also just talking about earlier maybe like our character that we made um possibly using these items like i already for sure know that like maybe not in the game but in the little backstory (laughs) we created 
the perfect idea is that like the she used the glue to like get things to not like work right or like closed yeah. doors that weren't supposed to be closed and then like the cat made the captain look bad and then she came behind and like hit it with the solvent and then it worked just fine for her and he just looks like yeah. an asshole <laughs> oh that's brilliant right yeah because then even then because that adds to a role-playing side of things rather yeah. than a combat yeah and that that is one of the biggest things um i think that's a cool part of the identify spell segment is knowing that you can use magic items in any scenario it doesn't have to be in a combat setting it can be in a role play setting that furthers your character development along oh absolutely like i think you know and like like i said there's a plus one sword right like it's not going to come into your um you know your role play but like there's so many magic items out there and like mm-hmm. homebrew magic items and things that like like they're much cooler to be used out of combat like sure like we yeah. can come up with ideas on like how something might be used in combat but like it's so much cooler for it not to be like if you come up <laughs> yeah. with crazy like you know like if you you know we're doing some crazy stuff and like we're able to escape somebody with like gluing a door closed or you know they can't get through it they've got to take the time to bust through something now like i mean if you like if i gave a player the this magic item and then 15 sessions later they like used it against me like that like i'm stoked for that that's so cool (laughs) but I i think that's i think that's about all we've got to say about about these two magic items for now yeah we're, we're, we've got some other ideas in the future, so everyone knows on other uh, little segments we're going to run, and um, maybe we'll get a little bit smoother in transitioning into them, because I <laughs> felt like we just kind of started it, but we'll it's see how fine. that goes. But I think the major takeaway from today is it really does not have to be difficult to make an engaging no. character. Um, and if you're ever in doubt about whether or not your character is interesting, talk to your DM, talk yeah. to your friends. Introduce well, and a good DM, a good DM is like, is going to be there. To, they're going to want this. Like, yeah, I feel like most DMs are going to like be, you know, they're, they're excited to play too. They're going to be accepting of you maybe not doing so much work, but like if you come to most DMs like hey I have all this stuff prepared like let's let's work on things let me like especially if they have a homebrew world I can't tell you the hours that most DMs put into a homebrew setting like if you say I want to work like I want to use your homebrew setting to like do cool things and be involved in it like they're going to be ready to go they're they're stoked (laughs) that someone's even interested because like most of the time of like a homebrew world especially if it's like big if they've developed like a city you guys are adventuring around maybe it's not so like in depth but like if they've really like developed like a world like most of that's just in their head like until it yeah. maybe comes out in the game if the pl- party like stops arguing with each other and like you know goes along on whatever adventure like maybe they experience more of that but like there there's if you're willing to like talk about a homebrew world with somebody like with a DM that's worked on one, they're going to be stoked. Absolutely. So go forth brave adventure. 
and create your character and give a damn about it <laughs> and make and, it engaging <laughs> yeah and make it engaging no just care about what you're doing and care yeah. about how you make it and that will honestly take you so much farther and i think than, what we kind of settled on is like if you don't want to make it engaging make sure that that's like expected by everybody <laughs> like yeah yeah if you want to make somebody silly there's nothing wrong with that i mean we can't made up with like a backstory on a character in five minutes like it doesn't have to be in depth but like if if everyone if you've got five people in your party and four of them write 10 page backstories and you say that your guy likes rocks then like i mean bring it up a little bit like do something yeah. interesting your guy if your guy just if your only character information is that he likes chocolate milk maybe he needs a little bit of story <laughs> just a little bit well i think that i think that we're uh gonna close out for the day guys uh yeah. make sure that uh you guys follow us on all our socials uh you know we've got facebook twitter instagram uh make sure you subscribe to us on twitch so that you can see when we're going live and uh make sure to come and uh, join our discord we've got uh links on a couple of our socials it's on the twitch and uh come hang out come talk come meet our awesome mods who have been helping us out and uh you know, all, especially on our Discord. You can recommend anywhere else, but on our Discord, like we've got a spot for recommendations of future episodes and what to talk about. Yeah, that's going to be the number one place that we look for to kind of organize all of our ideas. So we want to know what you want us to talk about. And we'll yeah. do polls before our streams uh, to narrow it down to what topic we're going to use. And that's how we picked the topic for today, our Discord server members got to vote on a poll as to what we were going to talk about and yeah. it happened to be engaging characters. Yeah. And you know, it, it's, that's, you know, we have ideas, but we want to talk about what you guys want to talk about. Like, you know, we're doing this because we in, enjoy talking about D and D, but you guys are the ones listening. So let's, let's make it something you guys want to listen to. Until next time, this was the rule of cool podcast. Thank you for listening in. We'll see you next time. Bye. Let's play D&D, our favorite RPG. Escape real life and play pretend with no real consequences. Let's play D&D. &D.